0: Call this record with artists more than one This is comp yeah yeah this is comp Yeah yeah this
1: is comp Yeah yeah this is comp, yeah, yeah. This is...
0: comp. Hey everybody and welcome to this is Comp A new series of Discord and Rhyme minisodes where we crawl through our favorite various artist compilations, song by song. I'm Mike DeFabio, and I'm here with... Dan Watkins. Rich Pinnell. And we are still on disc one of what's really the grandmother of all various artist compilations, Nuggets. Original artifacts from the first psychedelic era, 1965 to 1968. Uh, Disc one comprises the original Nuggets from 1972 And we're going to be talking about tracks 10 through 18 this episode, starting off with track 10, the greatest song of the 60s, Multi by the Barbarians.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the days when things were real bad for me. It was right after my accident when I lost my hand. It seemed like I was all alone with nobody to help me. You know, I almost gave up all my hopes and dreams. But then, then, then something inside me kept telling me, way down inside me, over and over again. keep going on. Yeah, on. Hold me! Okay, so that's a distinctive one to start <laughs> off with. Uh, so, so Multi was released in 1966 and hit number 90 on the Hot 100. Yep, it charted. <laughs> um, and the Barbarians were from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. But uh, as you could probably tell, this is an interesting story. So, the drummer, Victor Multi Moulton, uh, he lost his left hand when a homemade pipe bomb detonated in his hand when he was 14 years old. Um, so, when drumming, he held his left drumstick using a prosthetic hook. The band knew an opportunity for a gimmick when they saw one, so they uh, they adopted a sort of Pirates on the Beach look when performing, with leather sandals, open neck, sleeved shirts, black jeans, and long hair. Um, and so, like, a really interesting thing about this particular song, actually, is that the original Barbarians lineup doesn't actually perform on this song. This song is more of a strange novelty afterthought. Uh, so, Moulton recorded it at his producer's insistence. His producer apparently insisted that he recorded this song, I don't know why, but he recorded it with New York Session Musicians, who later became drum roll. The band. That's right. That's the band on this song. <laughs> the,
0: the capital B band. Their
2: finest work.
1: Yeah, I know like all bands are a band, but this is the like capital T, capital B band. So that's interesting. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Dan? Uh,
2: was it would this be the first waltz? No. I'm sorry. Um uh, <laughs> It's a terrible joke. Mm-hmm.
1: It is the it is the first waltz. It is kind of the first band song, and I, I even with my very limited band knowledge, I can kind of hear it.
2: Yeah, um th- this song is you know, it's it's kind of almost like a generic cliched reach for the stars sort of tale, except it's about a guy who lost his hand with an explosive who drums in a band now. So yeah, it's kind of a a weird little novelty. It's kind of gloriously bizarre and grotesque, <laughs> I
0: suppose. If there's any thought that's never run through my head ever, it's, you know what's a great song? Multi by the Barbarians. But you, know, you should have seen the look on all our faces while it was playing. Like, you can't not smile when you're listening to it. It's just so strange, and there's nothing else like it. And I I love that it exists. And also, I think my favorite part of the story, I've got the, the actual booklet that comes with the Nugget set in front of me here, and it says that... Uh, the band didn't actually want this song released, so I'm not sure why they recorded it, why it
1: was recorded at all. Oh, and this is the uh, this is the lowercase B band. Yeah, oh yeah, the not, not, Yeah.
0: So my my favorite part of the story, I think, is that the the barbarians didn't actually want this song released, and I'm not really sure why multi recorded it if he didn't want it released. But when he found out that the label put it out, uh, he actually flew to New York and chased the president of the label around his office breaking copies of the single over his head. It's fantastic.
1: Yep. <laughs> This yeah this song seems like it was sort of like accidentally recorded and then it was released against their insistence and uh, yeah and hey, it's not this? even their main hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this isn't even their this isn't even their real hit. Like we'll actually hear their real hit later on in in Nuggets it's called Are You a Boy or Are You a Girl and yeah we'll get to it later. It's great. But um I like this one. It's both a curiosity and a pretty catchy song. Um but yeah, I don't know. I also have never said you know it's a great song, Multi. <laughs>
0: Also, looking at the credits here, uh, there are four people listed. It took four people to write this song.
1: I don't know how, but okay. It might have just been like uh, just just somebody came up with like one little uh, piece of the instrumentation. Yeah, somebody wrote one line
2: or something. It's a real band effort.
0: All right. So track 11 is The Remains with Don't Look Back.
1: Okay, so The Remains, don't look back. It was released in 1966, and it didn't chart. Um, at all but um, so these guys were from Boston you know unlike the Standells <clears throat> um, and they they actually, yeah and they actually formed while they were at Boston University as students um, and I guess the most interesting thing biographically about the remains is that uh, they were openers for 24 dates on what turned out to be the final Beatles tour uh, the 1966 one um, unfortunately drummer Chip Demiani quit right before the tour and as you can hear from this song he's pretty important to their sound uh, in particular there's a little Awesome bridge where the drums are particularly prominent. And we're going to play a clip right
0: here. Well, according to the liner notes here, the, the drummer on this song is actually uh, Chip Damiani's
1: replacement, N.D. Smart, later of Mountain. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Mississippi, so this <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is where I admit that my Nuggets liner notes are long lost. So I'm going with what I can find online. So, Mike, if you can correct me wherever I'm okay. wrong, please do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this isn't Chip Demiani. I guess whoever replaced him did a bang up job. That's awesome. But either, either way, this was kind of the end for the remains. Like uh, just uh, touring with the Beatles was supposed to be their big break, but it was just sort of like where they where they fell apart.
0: And I'm really <laughs> surprised that this song didn't chart at all. I mean yeah you would think that it would have gone somewhere you know if it wasn't a huge hit it would you know you break the you know the the bottom half or something but uh
1: yeah i think they just had the right song at the wrong time like when i listen to this song i hear a lot of promising ingredients that just yeah they they just weren't in the right place yeah
0: and it's just it's a really solid song it's not it's not one of these nuggets where it's you know the the There's some kind of gimmick. Oh, the singer has two heads and he plays the electric cactus. (laughs) It's just no. It's just a really well written song and it's well arranged and I don't know. It's it just kind of just kind of slips through the cracks, and they only existed for two years.
1: Yeah, uh, the remains that their their contributions to Nuggets are so good. There's another one later on that's really awesome that we'll get to. That uh, they're one of the few Nuggets bands where I track down their full collection. Um, and there's honestly nothing else particularly notable on it, but I still, I don't know. This band is kind of an interesting what if, like they, they're such an interesting melange of different sounds. Like they have like the swagger of the stones. Like the guy kind of sounds like Jagger. Uh, they have the musicality of the Beatles and just the sheer like amped up volume of the who, um, and they have keyboards, yeah. <laughs> um, like <laughs> that before the who did, uh, but they never really got a chance to build on any of it. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, it's the only other thing I really have to say about them is that uh, their their collection album comes under the name Barry and the Remains, which uh, I can't tell if that was supposed to be a pun, <laughs> but it's a pretty good Get one. Get it? Mm. Barry? <laughs> yeah, I should note that, the, the, I should note that the, leader, the band leader is named Barry Tashian, uh, and he has actually uh, reformed the band in the 90s because this song's inclusion on Nuggets turned them into kind of a cult band. So he reformed with original keyboardist Bill Briggs, and they still occasionally tour to this day.
2: Yeah, on rocks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I really love, like, it has,
2: like, this kind of, like, kind of upbeat major key, I don't know if you call it a rave up or middle eight or whatever, but I love when it kind of, like, just transitions back into that minor key verse. It's really kind of just a nice, satisfying little uh moment in the
0: song
1: yeah it's awesome Uh, it it was definitely one of the songs on nuggets that first jumped out at me as like wow i am so glad i bought this compilation
0: oh me too yeah
1: and that happened several times on the first disc and onward but this one just really like spikes in your brain good metaphor
0: (laughs) 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 all right so track 12 is the magicians and an invitation to cry
1: Invitation to cry No, I don't want to cry So that one always makes me think of, uh, you know, from Twin Peaks, Invitation to Love. <laughs> uh, the soap opera that's always on. And you know that D- David Lynch probably actually liked "An in Invitation to Cry, just knowing his taste in music and the stuff that he puts into everything that he directs.
0: Oh yeah, this is so David Lynch.
1: Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to say that that's a reference to this song. Uh, Anyway, so An Invitation to Cry by the Magicians. It was released in 1965, and it was actually a single by an interracial New York band called Tex and the Checks. Uh, but they, uh, but then the producer like swapped out their singer for a better one named Gary Donner, um, because the label wanted it or something. Uh, anyway, so it was actually at that point that the group rechristened itself the Magicians. But the Magicians never actually managed a hit single. So this is the complicated like you know wheelings and dealings you get with your Nuggets bands. And this is not this is not remotely the most complicated story in this episode. Anyway, so uh, Donner and drummer Alan Gordon went on to become successful songwriters and the. Only only song you've probably heard of is "Happy Together" by the Turtles. That's that's a good one. Hey. <laughs> this was not a favorite of mine, to be honest. It's,
2: it's all right all uh, right, but eh, it, it kind of just gets lost in the sea
0: of other songs on here for me. Not a big standout to me. This is a song that gets by almost entirely on reverb. That's a good thing to get mm. by on if you yeah, if you know how to do it. It's it's one of the things I love about so many of these. Old Nuggets tracks is that they're they're just if you want to put reverb on a song they didn't they didn't they weren't subtle about it it's like oh hey, you want some reverb here you go <laughs> like the, the so, it wouldn't be much of a song without it but with it it's this really it's this neat little moody thing that kind of floats around being sad and just because they're called the Magicians I just imagine it being played by this you know, sad group of people dressed like wizards. Even though they did not look like that at all.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think the song is awesome. It's uh, honestly, I find it on, almost kind of difficult to categorize. Like it has like an interesting mix of elements. Like you have these blue eyed soul vocals, uh, you know, from that ringer there, uh, surf guitar. It's in a waltz structure. It's it's kind of throwbacky, but it also sounds like, well, not not completely new because this sounds like it's from the '60s, but it, it does sound like somewhat sui generis. Like uh, I really enjoy this one.
0: So track 13 is Liar Liar by the Castaways.
1: Not by Jim Carrey. No. Okay, Liar Liar, <laughs> released 1965, and this one was a bona fide hit, number, hitting number 12 on the Hot 100, and that's why you have probably heard it before, because this song is pretty famous. Um, so the castaways were from the Twin Cities, and they, uh, they originally actually formed a performative frat party. Uh, so, but they uh they did so well at this party that they remained a unit and they added a keyboardist and lead guitarist um liar liar is their only hit and they performed it in the 1967 beach movie it's a bikini world and uh, i i love the entire genre of beach movies by the way just that that was a thing <laughs> like i don't know we don't need to like opine on it but just whenever i hear that genre name i laugh
2: <laughs> uh best song on the set for me i love this song it is just so goofy and fun, and like just
0: musically interesting. I love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna be the one to shake things up here. This song is great. Uh, it always kind of reminded me a little bit of like really early Mothers of Invention, <laughs> like some of the, the yeah the sillier stuff on Freak Out, where they're doing like teenage music. Yeah, <laughs> it's got there's like the really silly falsetto in the chorus, and then like the verses are these just sort of low budget regular dude
1: vocals. Yeah, it's such a simple song in theory, but I think, I I listen to it and I think, how did they write that? Like, how did they (laughs) think of that? It it is so good.
0: It just has so much personality. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah this is my favorite song on original nuggets and it's way way up there on the entire set like that vocal that falsetto vocal is just such a monster hook like so much so that (laughs) so much so that the rest of the song almost feels like scaffolding in a way but not in a bad way in a really really good way uh like i just i just love this song it's one it's one of the best two minute songs outside of elastica's connection the best two minute song um and the only other thing i have to say about, about um about the song is that it's covered by Debbie Harry in the movie Married to the Mob uh, which is a great movie because it's by Jonathan Demi and he knows how to do a soundtrack he does
0: alright they missed a really good opportunity with the track listing here because track 14 is the 13th Floor Elevators with You're Gonna Miss Me I don't know.
1: So don't ever stop in the middle of a hoedown. <laughs> Man, I'm the one who does all the Simpsons references in practice. And uh, Anyway, uh, so You're Gonna Miss Me. It was released in 1966 and hit number 55 on the Hot 100. And the 13th Floor Elevators are among the more famous bands on the entire Nugget set. So uh, why don't you all help me out with the uh, with the biography? Like, What do you, what do you all know about the 13th Floor Elevators?
0: The, the first thing to, to jump out at most people when they listen to the, the 13th Floor Elevators is is that noise in the background, and that is an amplified jug. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And and this is a band who uh, is one of the the few Nuggets bands whose uh, catalog I've actually investigated further, and that amplified jug is in every song. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. well i mean when you have an amplified jug and that's your signature instrument i would put it in every song too honestly it's a pretty yeah it's it's a pretty cool texture i can see it having legs
0: yeah um but they're they're worth looking into um their first album uh the psychedelic sounds of the 13th floor elevators which this comes from uh i'd actually like to cover that album on the the podcast proper sometime because it's not only is it uh, a really great early psychedelic rock album, but it's also this c- sort of concept album, and the concept is that the 13th Floor Elevators have taken acid and they're so much more evolved than you. <laughs> like, for, for instance, uh, You're Gonna Miss Me. You might think, you're gonna miss me? That doesn't sound like it's about drugs. But no, the song deals with someone who has only taken on the superficial aspects of the quest.
1: That seems like not just a concept, but also the practice of the 13th floor elevators, right? Yes. They, like <laughs> they always recorded and performed entirely on LSD, which, as we know from Sid Barrett, is not really a reliable long term business model. Uh- no. Yeah, and because uh, uh, vocalist guitarist Roky Erickson was the most gre- most gregarious drug user of all, apparently dropping acid four hundred to five hundred times over the course of their career, and drinking apparently quote tubs of DMT, uh, which is the which is the psychedelic that makes everybody see the same vision of fractal elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just FYI, and that's not from personal experience.
0: Yeah the, the album also it's 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 got songs with with names like you don't know how young you are and uh, another <laughs> one called another one called Monkey Island which compares trying to get along in normal society as like being trapped in a zoo and having to pretend you're a monkey
1: LSD mm-hmm. is no joke wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> y- yeah Erickson would apparently have continual hallucinations of like Nazi war atrocities astro bodies and something called c- c- oh no no seeing eye pyramids is that the weird thing that's on the dollar bill yeah wow. Well, I think I'm... it's on their album cover too isn't it yeah yeah anyway so yeah as you can hear the, these guys are among the more important bands on the entire set so much so that electric jug player Tommy Hall is credited with originating the term psychedelic rock though he's not the first person to apply the term psychedelic to music he just applied it to the word rock so that just seems more like a he seems like more of a transitional figure in that sense <laughs> but an important one <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is one of the few songs I actually knew going into the box set already, because it's featured kind of uh, prominently in the movie High Fidelity, uh, kind of memorably in the opening scene. Yeah, it's a great song. His, his screams in this are great. <laughs> He's got a oh, great yeah. voice.
0: I've read his vocals described more than once as feral. Yeah, <laughs> that's and pretty that, good. That really makes sense. He really sounds like a wild animal just crying out in the night. This is this is probably my favorite nugget. No disrespect to Liar Liar. It
1: yeah, it's up there. It's up there for it's sure. Just, it's badass. Favorite like nugget of all the nuggets or just original nuggets?
0: Definitely on the original nuggets. Maybe my favorite nugget of all.
1: Yeah. See the thing about going through this compilation, I'm, I'm revisiting all of these songs. Like there might be a song on just three that's my favorite of all of all of them, but I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, something might jump out at me that didn't as much before. I don't know. All right. So track 15 is the count five with psychotic reaction.
1: So psychotic reaction was uh, was released in 1966 and uh, it is the highest charting song of OG Nuggets uh, hitting number five on the Hot 100. This is a legit or this is a legit hit. But it's not the biggest one on the entire compilation. We'll get to some huge ones later. Um, so to quote a contemporary review, uh, this is the most flavoring copy of the Yardbirds we've ever heard. Uh, to the point where the middle rave-up section like, actually features portions of the Yardbirds cover of Bo Diddley's I'm a Man. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to take all of your word for that because I don't know the Yardbirds very well. <laughs>
2: guitar sounds pretty yardbirdsy
0: that's the main thing that sticks out to me this whole this whole song is pretty yardbirdsy but i also i I honestly kind of prefer it to most things by the yardbirds i've heard
1: yeah i do too (laughs) this happens every time like a huge classic rock band comes comes up on the podcast i'm like well i kind of know them why don't you tell me about them (laughs) that's why this podcast exists yeah to educate you to to educate me (laughs) yeah personally uh sorry what what do you think dan
2: Uh, i like this one uh of course the rave up is really the whole song for me i mean that's the the whole purpose of the song it's got the cool scratchy guitar yeah it's a fun one
1: the song is awesome (laughs) that's what i have to say about it It, it's one of those songs that's more or less responsible for just defining the sound of garage rock as we know it uh like there are just so many like i don't know few chord rave ups like this just in the canon of rock music and uh, this is one of the first the other thing is that this is more or less single-handedly responsible for rock critic Lester Bangs. Uh, the compilation of his, uh, the first compilation of his writings, "Psychotic Reactions" and "Carburetor Dung," um, is named after their first two albums. And so the Count Five actually only have one album, but Lester Bangs invents an entire fake discography for the Count Five because being really, really high makes for great journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Lester Bangs is. A, we, I was talking about him with with Mike and everybody else on, in our. Uh, recently like it's he's Mike what did you call him it's like reading him is like reading the catcher in the rye for rock fans
0: yeah (laughs) like I like I when I first read uh that book, Psychotic Reactions and Carburetor Dung. Now, I thought it was great, but I haven't read it since then because I'm afraid I I'm, I would still like it.
1: I, I was I was looking at the Count Five essay in preparation for recording, and it is just unreadable. Oh my <laughs> god! Like I just have no time for this anymore. I don't know. I, I'm realizing like that he's he's really important and influential, but I'm realizing that all of my goodwill for Lester Bangs is actually just goodwill for Philip Seymour Hoffman and Almost Famous. Yeah, <laughs> so, which is a terrific performance. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost single-handedly got me into movies, but um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to complain about Lister Bangs a little bit because <laughs> uh, he comes up, <laughs> a, he, he comes up a lot in the rock world, and he kind of annoys me.
0: But uh, this, to me, is like, it's it's sort of the quintessential nugget. I think it's it's it just sort of embodies everything that I like about this big lump of music. Uh, it's just it's. Big and loud and simple and doesn't sound like a lot of thought was put into it. Somebody just put a mic in front of the drum set and said, Let's go. Uh they dressed like Dracula for no clear reason at all. <laughs> oh, that they're
1: the Count Five. <laughs> they're the Count Five, yeah. Oh, I mm-hmm. get it. Yeah Yeah. <laughs> No, well, I, I I didn't know that they were that they're they're just like Dracula, but that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah that's one the right there.
1: One hit single. Ah. 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 Only only one though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um. burn! Take that! The count
2: five.
0: <laughs> Not a lot of counting I guess. But uh, it's it's the, it's the sort of song that really just resists analysis. There's not a lot of... You can't really dig into this song. It's just fun and great. You you don't listen to it with your brain. That's that's why I like it. All right, so track 16 is The Leaves and Hey Joe.
1: So yes, that is the same Hey Joe as Jimi Hendrix, but this is actually the earliest known commercial recording of the song. Um, this was released in 1966 and hit number 31 on the Hot 100. Um, and these guys were from the San Fernando Valley in California, and this was a huge hit in in, in California in particular. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to say about the Leaves is I love how they got their name. Uh, so I quote, the as-yet unnamed band was hanging around a tree-shaded pool, smoking, when a newcomer gave the traditional 1960s greeting. "What's happening?" They replied, "The leaves are happening." <laughs> which struck Ooh. them, as all, <laughs> which struck them all, as a good name <laughs> for a band. Man, groovy. It doesn't say what they were smoking, but I can guess. <laughs> and uh, the band, the band, eventually broke up when bassist and band leader Jim Pons left to join the Turtles, because apparently Nuggets bands exist at the pleasure of the Turtles. <laughs> yeah I'm a big fan of this one actually this was an early
2: highlight when I got the box set like it kind of blew me away at first uh, because everybody's used to the Jimi Hendrix version this is completely different Uh, but I think this is the main like prototype of what most bands played until Jimi Hendrix covered it Uh, the Birds did a version that's a complete mess if you ever heard it it's pretty sloppy so it's kind of nice hearing a really tight intense version that they do here but yeah, I like this a lot. When's the birds version from? I think it's the same year. It might um, have been before. I'm not sure, but they're both in the same, like, 66, think. I think.
0: I think the
1: Leaves version was first. Yeah, well, th- this is the earliest recorded version of the song. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: It was the same year. Though, cause I actually looked it up earlier, so it's pretty close.
1: What about you, Mike?
0: Oh, I I enjoy it thoroughly. It's definitely a, a big change after uh, the Jimi Hendrix version, which I'm Pretty sure everybody's heard first. What it really has the most in common with is Flower Punk by the Mothers of Invention. I'm gonna yes, be, I'm going to be mentioning <laughs> Zappa a lot in in these episodes. But uh, and you have the Jim Ponds connection. Oh yeah, yeah. The the turtles and Flo and Eddie. Yeah, it's all it's all connected. Everything's relevant. Um, one thing that uh, uh I discovered while I was reading about this song was uh, they actually uh recorded. Uh, two versions before this version, uh, one of them they didn't even release, and they found out that the, the missing secret ingredient was fuzz guitar. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> that's that's what makes everything work. And I've actually heard that for a lot of, there's a certain set of record collectors for whom the word psychedelic, when when you say psychedelic, what they think is fuzz guitar. That's what makes it psychedelic. So there's... There's there's one definition for you.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have much to add about my own opinion of the song. It's appa- I, I I guess it's app- apparently part of a whole wave of bands that emerged in the wake of the birds, or a whole flock of bands, you might say. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, they're not. Se- no, they're not seagulls. So. Um... Wow, that was a hilarious joke. Anyway, I can I, I, I can I can definitely hear the birds' influence, but I like the spin that the leaves put on their sound, uh, like with John Beck's like sort of deranged vocals, which you wouldn't really hear on the birds at all. Um, And, and yeah, some heavy and very, very welcome fuzz guitar. I always, always like fuzz guitar.
0: And the bass sounds great on this too. Yeah. And just to mention Zappa one more time, this does feature an instance of uh, what Frank Zappa always used to like to call the hippie noise. Yeah. <laughs> where, you, where you move your move your little finger up and down on the neck so it goes. That's that little A chord riff. Yeah, it's in Phil a whole lot better too. Yeah, also by the Birds. Yes, and I I get the idea. I mean, I haven't listened to the the L A Nuggets set, but I get the idea that there were a ton of bands in L A that <laughs> that were doing that at the time. <laughs> so track seventeen is Michael and the Messengers with Romeo and Juliet,
1: but not Mike and the Mechanics. No. And not Dire Straits is Romeo and Juliet? No. Ah, this episode <laughs> sucks. <laughs> and Juliet by michael and the messengers it was released in 1964 and hit number 129 on the hot 100 um and it was a cover of a uh, 1964 hit by the reflections so this band history is a complicated one so much so that there is an entire section of a book appar- about it apparently the messengers were originally a high school band in winona minnesota apparently the the city's first rock and roll band, which is the kind of thing that you could be in the 60s. Uh, so the band disbanded so several members could go to college, including founder Greg, Greg Jerisik, uh who moved to Milwaukee and formed a new messengers lineup. Uh, so on the recommendation of friend and DJ Paul Christie, these messengers recorded a version of In the Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett uh, that became a regional hit. After opening for the Dave Clark Five, they were signed to Motown, and they lost interest in promoting their cover of In the Midnight Hour. Um, So what happened was that Christy, the DJ, he formed his own touring lineup of The Messengers uh, that he dubbed Michael and the Messengers, named after nobody in the band. Like, there was nobody named Michael in the band. (laughs) They released their own In the Midnight Hour um, and this song. So, basically, like, there was a great schism in The Messenger's world. Like, the two lineups went on to exist side by side, and both eventually broke up. <sighs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, researching these bands is so maze-like sometimes. Like, the world of 60s, like, garage rock is nuts. That's,
0: that's, such, a, that's such an epic story for such an inconsequential song.
1: Right and I'm sure the cover of in the midnight Hour like both covers because apparently they both made one like yeah. I'm sure that neither of them were worth writing home about either but uh, that's the kind of just I don't know like tangled story you can get with like a regional band like this. it's great
0: yeah I I mean it's a it's a fine little song I mean, it's it's not uh, certainly not one of my uh, certainly not a standout track for me on Nuggets but it's you know it's fine it's a it's a fun little it's a fun little song. You know, it it was this was when you could get a lot of mileage as a band by being able to sound just like the record. You could get, you know, hired at all the parties and you would be a big success. Um, you don't really don't really get that these days. So it's it's kind of a cool little, you know, throwback to that time.
1: Yeah, so the, and this is a case of people sounding just like the guys who sound just like the record. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like this song better than I thought I did, apparently, because what I saw on the track list, I was kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, that Romeo and Juliet song, and I listened to it, and yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's, you know, there's a whole lot of kind of, like, blues and harmonica all over the Nugget set, so it's kind of refreshing when you get a little bit of soul, not the actual song, a little bit of soul, but literally a little bit of soul sprinkled throughout the set, so it's not bad. It's it's harmless. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have to admit that the context is what makes this one particularly notable, but it, even without <laughs> it, it's a fun little party song, which is one of the best subgenres on Nuggets. Um, and it has hand claps. Uh, I always like hand yeah. claps.
0: <laughs> Who doesn't love hand claps? Yeah. Seriously. All right. So, track 18, and our last song for this episode, and uh, a, a neat little bookend, as you'll hear. Uh, this is the Cry Shames with Sugar and Spice.
1: and spice by the crying shames it was released in 1966 and hit number 49 on the hot 100 um, and these guys were from hinsdale illinois a sh- suburb of chicago um the most interesting thing about the Crying Shames was the way it, is the really dorky way they got their name. Uh, so their original name was The Travelers, but there was another local band called Tommy and the Travelers, and instead of forming a rip-off band called Tommy plus the Travelers plus Michael or whatever, um <laughs> band member JC Hook knew said Tommy, uh Tommy Crying and asked him to join the band. Uh but Crying declined. So JC Hook replied with the dad joke. That's a Crying Shame. That's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the name. Yeah, that's the name. And so the other, the only other thing is that J.C. Hook is actually the nickname of Jim Pilster, who is um, our second band member this episode to have a hook for a hand. What
0: yeah. are the chances of that?
2: Yeah, this song is ridiculous. It's <laughs> it, it only stands out as being one of the squarest songs
0: on the Nuggets box set. It is. <laughs> it's so dorky, I but, but I I kind of love it because of that. It it sounds like a parody of bubblegum music.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were talking earlier, and it sounds like um, it sounds kind of like one of the interludes, uh, one of the commercials on the Who Sell Out. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I don't know, it it, it it has kind of a sixty psychedelic cartoon interlude feel. Like, it, uh, I listen to the inter, I listen to the original by the Searchers, and it's actually very similar. Like, uh, the Searchers one is more of just a stripped down like Mercy Beat type thing, but is basically the same arrangement. And this one just kind of turns it into a cartoon. Um, so not bad, but definitely one of my least favorites on original nuggets. It it kind of makes your teeth hurt a little. <laughs> they, they weren't uh, they weren't
0: lying sure. with the title there, but, but I I I I like it all the same though. It's it's just so lovably lame. The guitar line is cute.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's the same one. For, it's the same thing from the Searchers' uh, song. <laughs> like I don't know that <laughs> crying shames do better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> scolding my Nuggets bands. Yeah, yeah. So this is
0: kind of a kind of a an anticlimactic way to end this episode with with uh, so many just amazing songs on it to to end with with this kind of OK Searchers cover. But you get the second <laughs> the second band with a guy with a hook for a hand, <laughs> the second drummer with a hook for a hand. So I mean that's pretty great. That uh, that wraps up this episode. Let's roll some credits. What do you call this record with all these songs? This
1: is comp, yeah, yeah. This is comp, yeah, yeah. This is comp, yeah, yeah. This is
0: Thank you for listening to This Is Comp part of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. If you'd like early access to these episodes, visit our Patreon at patreon.com discordpod and pledge at the $5 level or above. Our opening theme is performed by the Hector Collectors, and you can find more of their music at thehectorcollectors.bandcamp.com. The closing theme you're hearing right now is performed by Kenneth Crayley, and you can find his own music at kennethcrayley.bandcamp.com and his band Casinos at casinos.bandcamp.com. Music for the theme was originally composed by Andy Partridge of XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of the Hector Collectors. Visit our website, discordpod.com, for show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at DiscordPod, follow Rich at Zonetrope, and Dan at Dan S. Watkins. See you for the next batch of nuggets, and be ever wonderful.